0: About how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward, how much you can take and
1: keep moving forward.
0: You're a Knockout, a podcast for your inner badass. <laughs> What's up, Knockouts? Welcome back to the You're a Knockout podcast. We are back at the brand new Timeless Recording Studios with Miranus Moss on the ones and twos. Um, I have a very special guest today. Cincinnati's, um, Jacob Trevino. What's going on? Thanks for having me. (laughs) I know you're not local to Cincinnati. Well, you're not from here, but Cincinnati's favorite.
1: (laughs) I I, I am the adopted son of Cincinnati and I, I, I love the city. It's great to be here. Hey, knockouts. What's up? (laughs) We're going to have a little casual conversation today. Yeah,
0: that's right. I just want to pick your brain about so many things. Um, and I know like you've been on a million different things talking about your story. A lot of people know you, but for some of my listeners that may not be completely familiar with your story, can you give us a little brief background on what you're all about? And
1: yeah, so it was a warm Texas day. <laughs> <laughs> I saw all bright light. And I headed towards it. Uh, no, I'm, I, I am a entrepreneur. I am a creative director. I am a CEO. Uh, Most people know me from uh, my uh, project Gorilla Cinema, uh, which owns themed bars and restaurants all throughout Cincinnati and the Midwest. And we do all sorts of kind of creative pop-ups using all the things you love from your childhood and we bring them to life uh, through food and drinks. Uh, We're most famously known for The Overlook Lodge, which is a Lodge-style bar based off Stephen King's The Shining, which rated one of the top 50 bars in America.
0: Dude, Um, I just saw that not too long ago. Playboy magazine? Like, what? Yeah. That's
1: wild. uh, Playboy magazine, USA Today. Um, We do a lot of stuff with uh, Pan Am, the legendary flight company. Uh, We do amazing pop-ups with liquor brands like Kodago Tequila, and Kirk and Sweeney Rum. And we're always doing something kind of near you sometime soon. So if you follow Girl Cinema Presents on all the social medias, you will see all of our amazing projects. Uh, But right now we are currently seven different bars and restaurants, all very heavily themed. Uh, We have a Tiki bar called Tiki Tiki Bang Bang. We have a Japanese inspired karaoke bar called Tokyo Kitty with some of America's first robotic servers. So we have robots that serve you drinks. Uh, We have Ohio's largest selection of tequila at La Ofrenda, which is our tequila bar. Uh, We have our steakhouse called Lonely Pine Steakhouse, uh, which was rated by Zagat as one of the best steakhouses here in Cincinnati. And then finally, uh, I think, oh, I've got two more left. Again, we can talk about all the projects like all day. Um, It's like a Wikipedia page right now. um, And uh, our newest concept, uh, Cosmic Gorilla. Uh, is uh was just awarded best new original concept by Bar and Restaurant Expo for 2022. It is a comic book shop bar hybrid where all your nerd dreams come true. <laughs> uh And we manage something called Covington Yard, which is this outdoor food hall in Covington, Kentucky.
0: Yeah, dude, you have your hands in everything. Like, I just feel like Anytime that I'm just like at one of your bars or just happen to see you on social media, there's always something new, which I just think is so cool. Um, And then when I ran into you on St. Patty's Day at Covington Yard, I'm like, what are you doing here now? Like, this is like also something new, which I think is so cool. I can't wait to see what you do with that space. It's such a cool spot.
1: I think for us, we want to explore our talents and we want to explore new venues and new ways to kind of bring magic to not only the Cincinnati area, but expand beyond that And I think um, sometimes it's better to team up. So we were invited to come help out with the guys at Covington Yard because they've got big expansion ideas. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what we do with Guerrilla Cinema and what we do with all of our venues is, again, how do we create amazing memories for our guests and how do we create magic in the form of food and cocktail? Mm
0: -hmm. So funny, quick story about Tokyo Kitty. I don't know if you ever knew this, (laughs) but I was actually... I worked at 16 bit for like a nanosecond. Okay. And I worked door sometimes, which I don't know why I was ever working the door, but there I was. And some of the guys that were leaving 16 bit or like we're going to start working at Tokyo Kitty were trying to recruit me for security at Tokyo
1: Kitty. Oh, we would have totally hired you. (laughs)
0: Here's what we need. We need you for when the girls get wild and we can't do anything about it. We want a headset to be like, Rachel, come to the front, handle this person. (laughs) And they were like, so for it. They were trying to pitch it to me all the time.
1: Well, I think that's a big thing about (laughs) Gorilla Cinema and what makes us different is uh, I always view it as hospitality. I always view like the door person as the most important person Mm -hmm. that anyone will ever meet in a bar. And we've all met like the angry door person. We've met like- the guy that wants to show how strong he is. So I really like employing door people with just really great personalities. It's not about strength. It's about strength of mind. Yeah. Uh, Because it's about hospitality. And even, um, I call it the Willy Wonka theory. So if you look at the movie like Willy Wonka, these kids come basically into his house yeah. and start like trashing the, the place. And he's like always like very kind and sweet, like with like, okay, it's just time for you to go. And yeah, so yeah. I, I always say it's like, the Willy Wonka theory. It's like you know everyone's fine until they're not, and then we just be like, okay, it's it's time for you to go. And here's your oompa loompa <laughs> <laughs> song, and we play you out the door. Still like, uh, but no, I I feel like it's very important that the first person you meet coming into any of our venues is the the nicest person that you will meet because mm-hmm. not everyone will meet the bartender, not everyone will meet the server when they go into a bar or restaurant. Everyone meets the door person. Yeah. Everyone meets the host. So yeah. I feel like that is the most important position. In, in a bar yeah, or restaurant.
0: It makes sense. Um, and like just all of your projects, I know it's probably a hard thing to pick, but is there one that's like your baby? Oh, uh,
1: Is it really? <laughs> no, I shouldn't say that, but it, it is the one that is the most personal. Yeah. Uh, so I was born in this very small town in Texas called Harlingen. It's a border town. Mm-hmm. Um, and for so long, I tried to like get away from there because it, it, there just wasn't a lot of opportunity. It just, there's not a lot of dreamers and, and things there, not because people don't have aspirations and dreams. It's just life is hard and and there's not a lot of opportunity. So for me growing up, it was, how can I get really, really far away from this place? Mm-hmm. And then now that I'm older and I've started to lose people that I really care about, particularly from there, it's like a salmon swimming home. It's like, I, yeah. I, I, I want to be back around those memories. I want to be back around my Mexican culture. So, um, law friend is the one that means the most to me right now. Um, but they're all f- Like, but I've also like transitioned a little bit. So we basically call it like projects of three. So the first three bars were very movie focused. So the first bar, the overlook lodge based off the movie, the shining and very hyper-realistic feel, where we even got, like, Jack Nicholson's coat for the banquette material. You know, like, what coat was he wearing and how can we recreate that as, like, a chair? Um, And then the second one was a place called Video Archive um, that we recently changed up, but that was based off Tarantino films. Mm -hmm. And then Tokyo Kitty was uh, uh, lost in translation. So the first three bars and concepts that we did were very, very hyper-stylized and hyper-influenced from uh, movies. Mm -hmm. The next three were like my personal stories. So it was uh, uh, Lonely Pine Steakhouse, which was my kind of growing up in Texas and there always being a good steak somewhere. I love um, the restaurant culture here in Cincinnati. They've obviously adopted me as one of their own. Um, but the biggest thing I couldn't find was just like an affordable steak meal that wasn't Outback. Yeah. So how do you create like an every steak kind of place and places that I grew up going to uh, being in South Texas. And then uh, La Ofrenda, which was kind of like that um, roots of my family and my grandparents and their Mexican heritage um, and just the places in Texas that I really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then we did Pan Am, which was a little bit about – my mom's a pilot, so it was like aviation oh, background.
0: Oh, wow. That's so cool. So
1: those three concepts and things were were stories that I wanted to tell that were hyper personal. Mm-hmm. Now I just kind of want to have fun. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I I created, uh, uh, I was very introspective and now I want to do things that um, everyone can enjoy. I think for the longest time, we were very focused on 21 to 35 and really creating um Fun for adults. How do you create Disneyland for adults? And now, I want to focus more on more family entertainment. So that's what Cosmic Gorilla kind of represents. Is um, we're trying to create magic for everybody.
0: Yeah, I love all of that. It's just so interesting to hear, like the creative, like down to the details that you go just to create these really immersive experiences. I know you talk a lot about projecting wonder. Like, what does that mean
1: to you? So that's our company's mission mm-hmm. is I try to tell my bar staff that we pour drinks and drinks is fine or, or you make food and, and and the food has to be great and the drinks have to be great. But that's not what essentially our mission is. Our mission is the world outside sucks. Um, <laughs> it is cold. It is harsh. It is overly mean most of the time. It is hypercritical. Um so our job is to help alleviate that. So when you step into a gorilla cinema property that for that hour, two hours, you're transported And our staff's mission is to project wonder into the world. And we do that through various ways of either just imagery that we use the way we just treat people. Um, so we talk about just that is that is your job when you show up to work at a gorilla cinema property Um, yeah, you might make a drink or two, but if you're making somebody smile, if you're making someone's day, Mm -hmm. that is the goal.
0: Right. I love that. Um, so yeah, that just brings me to like your creativity is like one of the things I really wanted to talk about. And, um, what I admire so much about you is I feel like, especially in business, it's so easy to, um, I I don't want to say get comfortable, but in a way just like not, Like you do the thing and it's like you might like run out of ideas or it's like, how can I do this or that? But you always seem to be coming up with something else to and like keep people engaged or bring people to a place with something new that you've never heard of before. Like, where does that come from? What when do you feel you're most creative? Like what sparks that in you?
1: Um, my parents never told me they loved me or that I was good <laughs> enough. <laughs> no, that I think everybody that has something to prove has some sort of chip on their shoulder mm-hmm. that um, I always compared it to uh, Michael Phelps and how I never wanted to be Michael Phelps. I always wanted to be Ryan Lockie mm-hmm. because I wanted to be the person chasing the best people. Yeah. Um, so I think we step into different creative endeavors. One is like a challenge uh, two, I, I tend to get, um, I like the challenge myself, uh, but I also get a little bit bored that, that I'm always looking for. Yeah, we've, we've got to do the next thing. Um, also we're kind of in the entertainment field too. And if you think about all of the bars and restaurants that you went to when you were 21 or, um, you know, all the places you went growing up, a lot of those places don't exist. They're, they're very time and place. So for us, we're always trying to create new content because the audience almost demands new content that the the audience, particularly for food and beverage is chasing new things. We always hear about the new bars and restaurants that open and how amazingly packed they are and stuff like that. So while we love what we do in the spaces that we have, and we're constantly trying to reinvent those spaces and do new ideas. um, We know that eventually like a place is probably going to close. So we've got to have like the next idea on the horizon it also really helps with the team. Like the team is extremely passionate about what we do and about the things that we create. So it gives them an opportunity to say, okay, what are we working on next? What are you guys passionate about? Um, I compared it to like a relay race of like a baton is like, eventually, um, <sighs> this is going to sound so weird. Like, and I hate this is like <laughs> um, uh, people have said the things that I do are cool. And I have never felt that way. Cause I've never been cool growing up like not once like I was super nerdy in school I was like the kid that always was always picked on I was a weird kid growing up so as an adult for people to be like you make cool things yeah. I have a hard time processing that because uh-huh. I feel like the most selfish bar owner in the world because I really just make places that I want to go to <laughs> um and luckily for me there's a large enough audience that that people like the stuff that we do mm-hmm. um but But I know that eventually I will be a 56-year-old man and I should not be dictating what a 21-year-old likes. So the goal is hopefully that we keep creating these teams and keep creating these opportunities for our teams to express their creativity so that Gorilla Cinema isn't just me and what I do, but what we do as a team and how do we grow as a team and how do we keep those creative fires going? Mm -hmm.
0: It's interesting that you say that you never felt cool because I feel like the coolest people I know say that or feel that way or like were quote unquote misfits. Like I was even that way. Like I felt like I I spent majority of my childhood through high school getting bullied really badly. It's how I got into boxing. It was more of a my dad looking at me like, you're so small. Like if someone like wants to hurt you, it's going to happen. <laughs> Let's get you into
1: boxing. Well, that's make terrible. Sure.
0: <laughs> like I want you to like be your able dad to- looked
1: at you as like, Oh man, somebody's going to, somebody's going to mess with it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Her. This is going to be a problem. How do yes. we like beef her up? Let's feed her some steaks and give her some boxing gloves. But that's like how it evolved and like became something that I really loved. And like now people like women, I feel like, that maybe feel that way or feel a little out of like, um, I want to say just like not as empowered or have been in a situation where someone has made them feel bad about themselves, like kind of gravitate towards something that's a little bit different because they feel different too. And I feel like that's, it's kind of like I always will talk about like, in high school and growing up, you try so hard to fit in and just want to wear like what everyone else is wearing. Like you don't really want to stand out. And then it's so funny because then when you're an adult, all the people that were always different have been different and they're like doing whatever they want to do and they're doing great. But everybody else is now like, Hey, but now I want to be different. Like, it's well, just like I've- a weird, it's it's just like a weird thing where it's like, I, I feel like what I'm basically trying to say is I feel like that ends up being your strength. Like it was maybe like a struggle as like a kid, at least for me, like being picked on. But now it's like given me this drive that I probably wouldn't have had otherwise.
1: It sometimes feels like a superpower and it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we're kids, we're taught to use our imagination. Or at least if you, you know, if you have good people around you, you're taught to use your imagination. Uh, my family moved around a bunch as a kid, so a lot of times that's all I had mm-hmm. was was the imagination because it was hard to make new friends and things like that. So there was a lot of times growing up that was just alone time.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I thought that that was how a lot of kids grew up. And it wasn't until I became an adult that I realized that it's like a muscle. Like it's like training and like boxing. Like if you don't use your imagination every day, um, it kind of goes away. Like you stop playing. Like you stop, you stop having that wonder in the world. And you, you kind of let that, that muscle kind of die. Um, so I was very fortunate that I was able to continue to keep pushing my creativity, even though my parents thought I was like super weird. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was able to just kind of keep pushing along and find like-minded people that wanted to come along on the adventure. And I think for anybody that wants to do anything creative, it is something that, again, it's you have to work at it um, and you have to really want it too. like it's very easy in any creative endeavor to run against obstacles like you will constantly run against obstacles uh, that make you want to say, like, I don't want to do this anymore. It is up to you to see how do you keep pushing past those obstacles? And that's really when the fun can really begin is particularly stuff that we have done with Gorilla Cinema, there's there's ideas that we have done that have been like that we look back on now we're like, that was like stupid. Yeah. But um but for us also it was like those are some of the most fun ideas. And we look back at it now and like laugh to be like, okay, nobody got that. But it yeah. was fun and an inside joke for us. Um and it doesn't have like some but you'll keep creating. Mm-hmm. I think that's the really big thing is Um, So many people, they'll have like their failure moment where they are passionate about something and they might run into that critic or somebody that just beats them down. You know, we've gotten tons of bad reviews and we've gotten bad reviews like from professional critics that really should have been like, oh, we should stop. Um, But I think you can either like take that and let it destroy you or you can take that and say, well, it's not over like that we're going to keep going on and we're going to. Yeah, that didn't work. Sure. But how do you pick yourself back up? And you just got to keep going.
0: Yeah. So how do you pick yourself back up? Like when you have faced adversity in your endeavors, like what do you do?
1: Um, it takes a lot of time um, to to recover. And it's also like a divorce or like a breakup. Like it's not, okay, I am going to get up tomorrow and just keep carrying on. A lot of it is is that. A lot of it is... Um, I've had failures where we, we had businesses close or, or something that didn't survive or, or was just a bad idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. and that is a hard thing because the, the self doubt creeps in, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it never quite goes away. It it gets quieter, like the longer you go on and hopefully you learn valuable lessons about how not to make mistakes in the future. Um, but a little bit of self-doubt, I, I feel like, is a lot of my motivator, too. Um, I, I, the people that work for me will tell you that, that I, I beat myself up a lot <laughs> over bad mistakes. Um, but I also find ways to recover and, and keep going, um, mostly because I'm responsible for them, too. Like, mm-hmm. I can't let my, my defeats swallow me whole. Yeah. Um, and also, I know it's a long game, like, that eventually uh, not everything, like, the, the amount of stuff that we create is so much at this point that not everything is going to be a hit. Mm -hmm. It's like making movies. Like, not every movie is going to be an Oscar-winning movie. Sometimes you make The Clumps, like, or something to her, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm trying to think of, like, a really bad movie. Like, sometimes you make Troll Tube.
0: And like, <laughs> <laughs> I traumatized my nieces with that movie so bad. It was like, oh, color and music. And I'm like, oh, this is gonna be great. And I put it on and like the opening scene of like Trolls One is yeah. like just like destruction and mean trolls and it's dark and they're dying. And it's bad and oh my god, they both lost it. And then even like after that, for the longest time, if I was just scrolling Netflix and that just like popped up as an option, it would be like no trolls. <laughs> and I'm like texting my sister, like I think I traumatized the girls for forever. I'm sorry. Like- yeah. <laughs>
1: um. Yeah, man. I I think if if you love what you do, you should allow yourself some grace to make mistakes and realize that you will, you, you will make mistakes in whatever your creative endeavor is, but where's the joy in what you do. I think I'm not a great business person um, because I'm not necessarily motivated by money. Like I don't want to drive a Lamborghini, which is like bad because like I'll go into like pitch an idea and I'll be like, guys, it's going to make okay money. (laughs) Like, Like I won't run it off a cliff. But man, are we going to have some fun and we're going to create some new magic and it's going to be unlike uh, something no one has ever seen before. Mm -hmm. So that is always like with the ideas that we are always pitching is I always try to come and do something new. Like if the idea isn't a little bit new, it doesn't really interest me or at least how do we um, have one element in the space that is something that, that people haven't seen before.
0: So if there's a time that you're ever feeling like you are like, I can't even imagine you not feeling creative, but is there ever a time where you feel like you've kind of hit a roadblock or like what writers would be like writer's block? And if you do like, what is like something like a way, maybe even a way that you go like recharge or relax in order to like bring that back or like feel a spark.
1: I think it's a, well, my spark is a double-edged sword because I'll go see things that other people do um, that I get inspired by. So travel is like a a really big thing. And it's something that's really important with Gorilla Cinema as a whole. We take our staff on a lot of trips, uh, mostly to get them inspired, because I think it's one thing to sit around in a room and write ideas down on a, a whiteboard. I think it's one, another thing to go and experience the world and see what elements can spark your imagination. And particularly for Cincinnati, not everyone gets to travel the world. Like I like I've met people in Cincinnati that some people that have worked for me, they're like, I've never left Cincinnati. They're all Charlie day from like <laughs> always sunny in Philadelphia, <laughs> yeah. like never left Philadelphia. So for me, it's, it's very important to constantly be looking for that new sense of inspiration. And, and where a lot of that comes from is again, going out and meeting strangers, meeting new people, having new experiences Trying new things, uh, I think that's a hard thing to do. Like as you get older, mm-hmm. because you fall into like your comfort zone. Um, but for me, that's that's we're constantly um, doing things that that kind of spark that imagination. And then a lot of times in a guerrilla cinema meeting, we will talk about things that will never exist. Mm-hmm. Like I'll, I will give you an example, and it like listen, like somebody wants to do this, like do it, like because it would be amazing. But we were talking about um, a few of us went to the new Star Wars hotel. I like, saw that look. Yes. So cool. Um, and it's basically this two day role playing adventure where you can be whoever you want to in the Star Wars universe and live the Star Wars life. My, I created this character. His name was Jacques Rillian. He was a <laughs> rebel pilot. Uh, and him and his three childhood friends were booked a cruise on this this galactic star cruiser and we kind of lived this life. Um I don't know if the idea is for everybody, um, because not everyone loves Star Wars. Not everyone wants like that, like two and a half days of like being in the Star Wars world. Mm-hmm. But some of the technology that they were using and some of the things that they were engaging, particularly the character engagements, were like, this would be really great as like a horror experience as if you like went to like an actual quote unquote haunted house to stay the night. And you could do like ghost projections and things like that, and create this mystery and build this mystery around. Basically, it's like a haunted bed and breakfast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so we spent like an afternoon, like building out, like and just kind of sketching on like napkins and things like this. Like, be like, there could be a fake wall here that like people could find out, and that could lead to like a secret library, and we could like project a ghost in there. And um, and so I think there's ideas like that that we just like constantly throw around the office um with no intention of ever really pursuing it like yeah. with it would just like wouldn't it be cool if i feel like a lot of the ideas that Gorilla cinema does would be like wouldn't it be cool if and then and then somebody says something ridiculous
0: so like how do you decide when or how do you know when you're just doing a wouldn't it be cool if and then you decide hey this is actually super dope we should do this
1: i think there there's something in the pitch process, and I think everyone has that moment when um, they feel that spark, when they feel like, no, this is this is the thing that we really need to work on. Um, sometimes it doesn't happen right away. Sometimes it can go for years. Like Cosmic Gorilla, like the comic book shop bar was an idea that we kind of said, "Wouldn't it be cool if for like four years?" Oh wow! Where it just kind of kept circulating through the office, like it kept like every few years we'd be like. Well, like, what about that idea again? Um, So I think the good ideas have stickiness. I think that's like the biggest thing in any sort of creative thing is like, if you can't get it out of your head, it is typically at least worth kind of pursuing a little bit. But um, yeah, there's never like, okay, we're going to go do this project. And then after it is this project. Mm -hmm. Um, There is a lot of downtime after a project launches where we are doing a lot of learning, um, particularly as we step into things like retail and, and all these other things and trying to figure out things uh, that we want to do. But then it becomes this moment and everyone kind of feels it in the room and everyone in the company kind of feels it where it's like, okay, what's next? Mm-hmm. And, then, and then we start having serious conversations about what's next um, mm-hmm. after a certain amount of time. And then it's up to me as I guess, you know, the, the creative lead to, to, to say, okay, this is, this is our next project that we're mm-hmm. working on.
0: So we talked a little bit before we started recording about, um, your team Yes. in a sense of like, as someone that is like starting to think about scaling the business and looking into that, um, how difficult is it to build a team, especially one that's as creative as yours seems to be?
1: everyone wants to talk about like labor shortage right now. And it's really not that I think there is an agency that everyone has right now where particularly um, people gain into the workforce now for, I feel like for our parents and our grandparents, particularly like my grandparents, like I asked them this question once I was like, what do you want to be when you grew up? And they're like, I don't know. Happy. Like (laughs) they're like, I just wanted a family. Like, Jobs and working was just a means to the weekend. Mm -hmm. Like it was, I happened to be good at this skill. I went to a trade school. I may have gone to college and I studied this thing. So I just went and did this thing as a way to generate revenue, like for for my family. As Mm -hmm. very few people, I feel like in generations before were encouraged to follow passion, like to be like, not only what are you good at, but what are you passionate about? So I think for anybody that's like scaling or trying to hire people, it's one thing to write them a check and to be like, yeah, man, come work for me. You'll make a lot of money. It's another thing to give people a reason to get up out of bed every morning. It's another reason to like give people a reason to be proud of the work that they do and to want to showcase the work that they do. And then it's another thing on top of that to make them feel like they are part of a team and they're contributing to that meaning behind all of it. So that is like the juggling act. And that is a hard thing to do, particularly as a mentor and particularly as an owner, because I have finite time. So I would love to mentor everyone in my organization. Mm. I don't have the time to mentor everybody. So then hopefully the people that I mentor can then mentor the people below them. Yeah. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And, And those are the times when I really feel like a failure is when we've identified somebody that's really talented And then they leave for another opportunity. Mm. And I know that the reason that they left was because I didn't give them enough time. Yeah. Like it wasn't the money. It wasn't anything else. It was this person came to be a part of the organization and I wasn't a good mentor and I didn't give them the path that they needed to be successful. And I think that's the biggest thing when you're scaling and you're trying to create organization is creating good paths for growth for everybody. Even if it's not with you to be like, hey man, it's like college. You might come work for me for three years, but then hopefully you go open your own bar or hopefully you become some, I said this the other day, it's like be the leader that other people wanna follow. I told this to like a manager the other day. I was like, my biggest fear should be that if you walked out the door, everyone would follow you. Yeah. Like that should be when you talk about scalability that nobody really wants to talk about because they want to talk about uh, gross revenue. They want to talk about how much money they can make. Mm -hmm. They don't want to talk about team building and what that actually means. And are you pulling people up behind you without fear, without creating roadblocks, like knowledge roadblocks? We see this all the time uh, in business is somebody will use knowledge as like an access point to be like, well, you can't have my role because I know more than you. Mm -hmm. What's really, but you should really be more about sharing everything that you know with your whole team.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, and it's funny because when you said that you don't feel like a good business person because you're not driven by money, I think that's actually the opposite. I think that's really what makes you such a good, like good in business is because of that, because you're exploring the creativity. And I feel like once you have those things in place, like the rest kind of follows. Um, I know that's honestly like why I got into business. I had worked for a lot of really toxic salons and a lot of people that they weren't building great teams and they were so focused on the money. And I'm looking around and it's like you said, like we'd have salon walkouts where everybody's just gone at once. And it's just oh like, my God. <laughs> it's like, how don't you see? And then they're upset because the revenue is bad because their turnovers, you know, crazy. And because, you know, people, clients are coming in and seeing these people go. So then they go and they're not sticking around because they don't know who they're going to see for their next haircut, you know, but if you build that solid team, the people that come in feel that as well. And I just feel like it creates, it starts there.
1: It is extremely hard um, because you have to find like-minded individuals too that uh, want to play a long game. Like it is an infinite game, like business, like there are no winners in business, I guess unless you count Jeff Bezos, I guess he like (laughs) won. Uh. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, and again, you, we all laugh because like, no, cause we know what he had to do to get there and yeah. it doesn't feel good. Yeah. Like that's why we don't trust that he goes to space. We trust like NASA goes to space, yeah. man. You don't go to space. <laughs> like we don't trust you with totally. space. Like yeah. Jeff, like we go to space on the weekends only. We don't go space on Tuesdays. <laughs> um, so I think for, for us, it is about, um, Creating that like-minded stuff, and also, again, how do you have people build sweat equity into to your dream? And that's the hardest thing too, is at the end of the day, um, there's this conversation that's happening right now about uh, you know, over glamorizing overworking. And a lot of entrepreneurs, I feel like, are candidates for always overworking. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one thing to be in charge to let your dream kind of kill you and destroy you. It's another thing to drag other people along and have mm-hmm. it destroy them. Like yeah. that is, that, that is a whole other conversation, but it's giving people that come to work for you that see your vision, a path for success and to say, and that's another reason why we've opened so many things is I have such a good team. It is my job to give them opportunities for growth. So to say, okay, we could have probably stopped at five, bars and restaurants and I would have had an okay life and probably have half amount of uh, stress as I do. I don't think I would have as good of a team because I don't think I would find people that were hungry for the next thing. And I just feel like complacency is, it kills a lot of, it kills a lot of dreams and things like that. And I think in business, particularly once you've seen success, it is easy just to say, okay, this is the top of the mountain.
0: Yeah. And I feel like even just in my experience and a lot of people that I've known and businesses that I've seen over the years, that is what happens the second that you're complacent. It's just kind of like, I feel like that's when things start to fall apart. And, and I just feel like I don't know. You always have to, this is like my motto of this year has been to like really force myself out of my comfort zone. I feel like I've really done a good job of that. But then there's definitely certain things that I've been like, that would be cool, but uh, it feels a little uncomfortable. Like this podcast, like I started this podcast, did it for a while, got in like the routine of it and was feeling good about it. And then life happened. I took a little break and then it was like, oh, I have to start this all over again. This feels scary. But it's like, when you do that, when you, like the second that you step out of your comfort zone, I feel like so many awesome things have come from that, but it's just getting yourself to do it, which is so hard sometimes.
1: I think my motto for this year is to actually retry things that I thought I hated. Yeah. Yes. Fruit and salad being one of them. <laughs> I was like, for the longest time, I'm like, Ugh, fruit and a salad. I I don't know about this. I'm not, I'm not a savory and sweet kind of person. Yeah. So that has been my motto for this year is to retry things that I thought I hated just to make sure I absolutely hate them. But do you like and,
0: broccoli and salad?
1: Oh, yes. No, on a salad bar. So like my salad bar trip goes romaine lettuce, like the the, the mixed greens, mm-hmm. um, maybe some spinach, you know, go heavy, heavy on the greens. Not too heavy, though, because really a salad bar is about toppings. Yep. So to go like mushrooms, like the raw mushrooms, like broccoli, tomato, uh, cheese, bacon, like tons of ranch, like probably an obscene amount of ranch was just like negates it being a salad at yeah, that point. Totally. Um, but this year again, it would be like, no, go for the fruit, go for uh, the, the cottage cheese which somehow is always on a salad bar. I'm like, what are you doing here? Yeah. Cottage cheese, or like jello, jello, a uh, beets. Yeah. Like, yeah, like I get the beets kind of, um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm trying to go and like do combinations of things. I think that's also part of like maybe the creative process too. To be like, do I really hate these things? Mm-hmm. And sometimes the answer is yes. So do you, like <laughs> I absolutely hate hate these things, and I I don't want to do them again. But um, yeah, I think for uh, the stops and starts are a part of the process. That I know that I have picked up ideas, was super gun ho about them, put them down. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that there's relationships that I pursued um, with either developments or brands or things like that, that I like, am so fired up about. And for some reason, yeah, you kind of just take a, take a derailment or life gets, life typically gets in the way. Um, and it's up to you to like, just go back and just kind of piece it together. Cause no one is going to tell you to not do it. Yeah. Like it is the voice in your head that tells you, well, it's been too long. That is the only thing stopping you. I'm I'm actually training to run a marathon right now. Oh damn. Yes. Um, I have not run in twenty years. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so how are you starting? Uh yeah, yeah. Just start like you just get up and you just kinda run. My uh-huh. big fear is like injuring yourself. So mm-hmm. I think like those are the activities you gotta worry about is like um after not doing it in twenty years, like making sure that I don't injure myself or go too quickly. So I think that is the biggest thing too about creative endeavors is making sure that, yeah, you can pace it out, that you don't get burned out on it, that you allow yourself to break and to relax. And again, hopefully you find the joy in it too. I think people in creative places, um, they get into a rut because at a certain point I'm being paid to create. Mm -hmm. So there's a high level of you have to create because it is your job. Um, Particularly when it comes to new menu items, events, things like that. It's just a constant gear. And so sometimes we do have to like take a step back and say like, let your body heal, let your mind heal, you know, before we can move on to like the next thing. That's a hard thing to do for the staff sometimes because you fired everybody up. You got them like all juiced up to like go like and hit the gas. Mm -hmm. And then I as the creative leader have to go, I'm tired, like, and I, and I can't, I can't do this, but then hopefully you build in trust to where they can continue to follow the creative passion that you've hopefully ignited in them. um, So that it is more of a relay race so that, yeah, I can take a break and recharge.
0: So what else is new for you this year? I know we talked a little bit before we started recording about something like some traveling that you're doing, like what else, even in just like business this year? Like, what are you looking forward to? What's new? What's upcoming?
1: So, right now we're going all across the country. I'm 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 using like my 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 passport to its like maximum use. Um, we're doing a lot of cool things. Um, hopefully, if you're not in the Cincinnati area listening to this, um, that you are somewhere where we're doing something interesting. So we are Building a submarine, Uh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's not a real submarine. It's kind of well. It kind of is a real submarine, I guess. Um, So we are teaming up with Kirk and Sweeney, which is an amazing rum uh, rum brand out of the Dominican Republic, uh, and they are celebrating their hundred year anniversary of like their first um, debut in America. During a prohibition, they were were part of the rum runners that like came up like New England. uh, And that's how they got their name. Kirk and Sweeney were the rum runners that were running this rum. Oh, my gosh. Um, And we are going down to a conference called the Lao. It's in West Palm Beach, uh, where all of these amazing tiki bars from all over the country are coming to basically show off the best that they can be. And I mean, these are like the top names in bartending are coming to this convention. So we decided we've got to make a name for ourselves. We have to do something big. (laughs) And I wanted to dream really big with it too. Um, So we were lucky enough to connect with a company called the paint factory uh, that built a Harry Potter world. Wow. And universal. And we kind of pitched them to Kirk and Sweeney and said, we've got this idea. Um, We think that these guys can help us bring it to life. What do you say? And luckily, Kirk and Sweeney saw the vision. Um, So we're actually building the Nautilus from 20,000 leagues under the sea. Oh my God. (laughs) Uh, It is a freestanding structure. Uh, People will be able to come and actually like open the hatch to the submarine and go inside and sit in Captain Nemo's quarters and drink some amazing Kirk and Sweeney rum products um, and do that kind of thing. Um, And then we've teamed up with Kodigo Tequila uh, for July. So if you don't happen to be in Florida uh, the weekend of June 14th for the Hukilao Conference, you can find us in uh, New Orleans uh, for the last week of July where we're creating this kind of immersive projection experience for Kodigo Tequila where we're going to bring the brand to life through mariachi music and projections and tastings and uh, it's at this amazing place called the Seraphim house and they're kind of letting us take over and basically turn it into the code to go house.
0: That's so um, awesome.
1: Yeah. Um, so that's kind of one of the big summer plans. That's like what I'm doing with my summer vacation. Yeah. Um, and then for that uh, we've got amazing programming happening at the new venue Covington yard. So a lot of fun events and things like that where people can come and experience some of the magic in an outdoor space. All of our bars have been um inside and small. And this is the first time where we have the area to like play on like a large scale. So we can't wait to bring some super amazing magic there. And then it what where are we? Like May? What 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 month are we in? We're right, about we're, to be in <laughs> May. Yeah, it's gonna be May. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I'm
0: not the only one that feels this way. I'm like, where am I? What day? Uh, is but it? we're
1: already planning for the holidays. So we've got like um all of our holiday programming that's already things are starting to go into workshops and get built. And and so if you follow us at Gorilla Cinema, you will see all of the upcoming craziness. Um, And most of it is free because I, Mm -hmm. that, again, we talked about our mission. Was our mission to project wonder? It's like, that's how you project wonder in the world is you create magic and give it away for free. And then hopefully they buy a drink while they're there. (laughs) (laughs) So we can continue to make the magic. Yeah. Um, But I think that it does an inherent part of what we do is um, to kind of keep, pushing it forward and so um and there might be some international stuff coming up that that i'd be extremely excited to like come back and talk about but i think for for us and for right now um we've got some i i keep saying (laughs) this sounds so stupid because when it comes out of my mouth i'm like well that's a stupid say like i was like i feel like i haven't taken my big swing yet like, and that's coming from somebody that like has seven properties and things like that. I'm like, I feel like I haven't done, you know, my, um, you know, my masterpiece yet. Yeah. I feel like I'm still working towards um, the thing that is really going to define my career. I don't know what that is yet. Maybe it's a haunted house. I don't know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that would, I if anyone's
0: going to do an awesome haunted house, it's you. Like, I'm not even one that... I'm terrified of haunted houses, but I was a clown at one for like a a brief time. So like, I like to scare people. I wouldn't go through them, but I'd go through yours, even though it'd probably be like the scariest of all time.
1: I don't see to me. Like, I think like things that are scary are amazing. Um, I think creating interesting atmosphere, um, particularly in the I think most people think of haunted houses as like the pop out and yell boo. Mm hmm. I think for me, like something that would be really cool is like more atmospheric, like more storytelling um, in a haunted house, like something that like, like stays with you like after like, and it's not so much gore and blood, but just something that was like, oh my God, that was so haunting. Like, I think um, uh, there was an amazing haunted house in Las Vegas uh, and it was Eli Ross haunted house. And it was like this $5 million production and, and people could walk through and they would do like daytime tours. Um, so I wanted to go through the daytime so I could actually see all the scenery and actually not be like chased around. Yeah. Um, but the story they told was so haunting and so realistic that I think I spent the next week, like researching to see if it was like actually (laughs) real, which was like this cult of cannibals that also worked inside a casino that were like kidnapping people, like in drunks off the strip to like sacrifice them and, and eat their bodies and, and then cook them into the buffets on like, <laughs> the strip. And like, it was supposed to take place in the seventies. I was like, this is terrifying. This is haunting. You don't need people to jump out and yell boo. Yeah. Like you just need this person telling you the story. And it's like a perfect horror story. Mm-hmm. I think there's also stories that we can tell in food and beverage um, that are interesting and introspective. Um, for me, I love how music affects the space. I also love how music affects your senses and your taste and your emotion. Um, Most people go to a restaurant to be happy, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I think it would be interesting to do more storytelling with food and beverage. How do you get different emotions out of people? How do we spark maybe different stories um, that aren't necessarily whimsical, but also like make you think. Um, And what is our impact on that?
0: Do you feel like the industry is changing in a way, like overall that way or like getting more in depth on like those little nuances that you're talking about, or what do you, what do you see? Like the future of that?
1: Yes. And no, there, it, it seems like it's a small pocket of us that are trying to do innovative kind of cool things. Um, there's also, it's just a new class of people. You know, we had this exodus of uh, kind of, it's a brain drain from like the service industry where people just left and they went and did other things because the weirdest thing happened, like, two years ago.
0: Did it? Yeah. I don't, I don't really, know, yeah. Know exactly. <laughs> I don't know anything about what you're talking about.
1: Um, so strange. <laughs> like, for two years, we just, like, really just struggled.
0: Yeah, the weird, <laughs> The world just got super weird, but I don't really remember what happened. I, like I can't that. tell
1: you what happened either. I just, just I, just blocked, a blur, it, I man, blocked it out of my head.
0: And now we're in almost May. Or... <laughs> yes,
1: exactly. So I'm glad that we're here. Um, and so for us, there's a lot of it's the new class. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the exciting thing about food and beverage right now is we're about to get some brand new voices and some new ideas. Um, It's going to take a while for those to gestate. It's also going to take a while for people to want to be part of our industry again because for so long they didn't see a future. And then, or if they had a future, it was like cut off by the weird thing that happened. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So... (laughs) So for us, it, it, you know, we're training new people and I myself am looking out for people that I can push forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at a certain point, uh, I said I didn't want to be like the sad old man that just like keeps talking when he should stop, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and hopefully I can be that mentor that pushes someone else forward. That, I think that's the thing about creativity and about being an entrepreneur, being in business, and the hardest thing to do and the hardest thing to realize is that maybe this isn't your story, mm-hmm. that maybe it's someone else's story. And that maybe you're the person that pushes forward the next great person. Sure. That maybe you're not the greatness. Your idea is to cultivate the greatness. Your idea is to be the coach. Yeah. Um, and hopefully put push forward the, the person that changes the world. Um, I think so many of us forget that we have that ability. Mm -hmm. Um, that we have the ability to gas up the people around us to really build them up and say, like, I believe in you to go to their event, to go and support them in their creative endeavors. um, It's probably the most important thing that you can do Mm -hmm. um, other than create yourself. I think that's like, you know, way back in the beginning of this, we talked about what do you do when you hit the roadblock? It's like you can stop and you can support other people. Yeah. Like, and I think that's like, that's a hard thing for us all to do because we always want to be the main character. Yeah. We always want to be the person who like is the Mm -hmm. triumph, um, you know, at the end of the story, but I think it's also okay to be the the person that, that hopefully, you know, someone points to you and says, I, I got here because of them.
0: Yeah. I think it's interesting to, to think in that way, um, Because I think a lot of people forget too because they think like, oh, like I don't drink or maybe like for me, you know, I don't really wear makeup or I'm not really into that thing. But like they forget that they can support you in other ways just being by saying, even if it's just something encouraging, like, hey, like what you're doing is really cool or and like to also do that for other people. Like when young artists come to me that are really intimidated, it's like I remember, like you said, like some people are gatekeepers about their knowledge. I remember reaching out to some like people in the city that I really admired. And I wasn't trying to get their information or knowledge, but it was like people that came like fresh into the industry and just blew up. And I'm like, whoa, like I've been in the industry so many years, haven't seen anyone do this. Like, what advice do you have for like a new artist? Like, I really admire you. You know, I want to, like, I want to get stuff done. Like, I want to see your services. I want to be a client. And they would just block me, like never answer me, just block me or just like, You know, it was just like this big. I don't think I've ever done. Yeah, and I was just like, whoa. So like now, like I am like, if anything, probably overly like, mm -hmm. you know, with my knowledge or like, trying to encourage people because I never want to be that person to somebody else and like make them feel like you shall not pass. (laughs) Like you can't have any of this.
1: Uh, Yeah, I think again, that's where a lot of people derive their power from, quote Mm -hmm. unquote, power. Is being that gatekeeper, uh, and to me, it is more again. How do you build an army? Like how do how do you build, a, and not just an army for yourself, but an army of people that can all support each other and 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 all fight in the same fight together. Uh, I mean, I'll talk to anybody about the food and restaurant industry. I have people that come up to me all the time that want to pitch their their idea for like yeah. a bar or restaurant. Yeah, I love to talk to them, mm-hmm. um, mostly because. I am just passionate about the industry. Like I will talk forever about it. Um, But also, again, I don't want people to make the same mistakes I did. Mm -hmm. And you want to be that kind of just support. And also as business owners, and as entrepreneurs, I think everyone can needs that type of support. Everyone needs another entrepreneur that they can be like, hey, this really sucks right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, sure. and not feel judged.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, I think there's so much of our culture that we all want to be seen as so successful. And we and no one ever wants to admit their mistakes because then it kind of ruins the image sure. or whatever. Oh yeah. Um, I don't really buy into that um too much. I think that people are interested in your failures. I think mm-hmm. that people are interested in the process, but I think it's also one of those things that having people in your life that are also in the same industry or also creative that you can be honest and real with. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a challenge for all of us in life in general is our levels of honesty Mm -hmm. with trying to make sure that um, we can be vulnerable and say like, man, this sucks. This week was hard. Like I I, I had a hard time dealing with this decision I made. I don't know if I made the right decision are you going through something like that too? Yeah, man, I can, I can relate. Yeah. I can be honest with you.
0: Yeah. It makes you feel so seen. And like, that's just normal because it is normal. Like, you know, you have failures along the way. And that's another thing that you just had like a big talk about um, failure in Vegas. Right. I,
1: I did have a talk about uh, failure in Vegas Vegas was kind of a whirlwind. So this was for the bar and restaurant expo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I highly recommend it. If you're interested in being in the industry or just want to learn more, it happens once a year in fabulous Las Vegas. I had been going to the conference for like 10 years. Uh, I went uh, when I was like 20 and something. Or another, like, a, <laughs> um, And I, I will never forget just kind of wandering around the conference floor and going and sitting in talks and being inspired by these people that were talking about, here's my successful bar. Here's how you make the successful food program. Um, everybody there for like 10 years was always talking about success, success, success. Look at my awards. Look at how great yeah. I am. Um, I had a project that failed miserably and failed a lot because of like my own hubris. It's like because I had never had a big failure. Mm-hmm. And you think... I can take any project and I can turn it into gold. I think at a certain point you, you get kind of trapped by your own success. Um, And that's the hard thing is some people have failure early on in their career. Um, My failure came like right in the middle of my career and it was hard to kind of recover. So we created this project and it just was not the right time. It wasn't the right audience. It didn't resonate. I didn't do my due diligence. Like I failed on all these things, like in retrospect, Um, because I wanted to go fast and I thought we were bulletproof. I thought that there was nothing that could stop us. Um, And I presented the idea of like, I want to talk about this train wreck that like I create, like this slow motion car wreck that anybody from the outside could have seen coming a mile away, except for the people that are in the inner circle. And again, at a lot of conventions and conferences or even TED Talks or things like that, you always hear people about their successes and their triumphs and how they just went out and just smashed you know, all their competition. And this was the idea. And this is how you create something amazing. I really wanted to talk about this is where I, I, I stepped in here. I stepped in there. I fell down here. (laughs) I got back up. I literally fell backwards. I rolled around in it like, and tried to get back up and fell back down. And I wanted to say like, all of these things could have been prevented if I had done these things, because I wanted to pass along that information of failing to the audience because I had never been to a lot of talks where people had talked about, this is, this is how it happens. It doesn't happen one day. And I think that's for any, anything that you do. If you're an entrepreneur, your failure does not happen because you made one bad decision. Yeah, Your failure happens over the course of time. And then also for us and for anybody that's an, an entrepreneur in a creative endeavor, the biggest thing that I wanted to talk to the audience was about was when to just say it's done. Like when to just be like, we failed. Like, okay, it's over. Cause I feel like people get in this entrepreneurial, um, like financial sink where they think I can always turn this around. I like if, if I just give it another month, I'll turn this thing around rather than say, this isn't working we need to go do something else. They continue to invest more money, more time, more energy until they're in over their head. Mm-hmm. And then there is no recovery. Then there is no next project. Yeah. So I think that was the big thing that I wanted to get across to the audience was it is okay to fail. Like somebody, if you are passionate enough, somebody's gonna give you another buy at the apple. Somebody will invest in you again. Yeah. And you'll probably be more valuable because you failed before. Yeah. But so many people are so afraid to admit their failure because they think I've got one shot. i am Eminem. M&M. I was just going <laughs> to I just say ate it. mom's spaghetti. <laughs> well,
0: I Mom and I'm a sweater already. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that they don't want to say, I, I. they don't want to admit their own failure. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes tragic. And then I'm sure we could go into all sorts of things about like suicide and, and entrepreneurship yeah. and, yeah. And things like that, rather than saying, like, it's a long journey and I'll tell myself when I when I'm done. Yeah. And again, a failing project is not the end. It might be the end of that project, but you can still go off and do other things.
0: Yeah, I think it's so important to talk about, too, because I've been guilty of that so many times where one little snafu comes up and I'm like, well, this is it. We had a good run. I guess this is where it's over. And it's Uh, like, no, that's not that's not it. And now I look back, like I keep a journal of like, even just little wins, like throughout the month or week, whenever. And I was looking, I went to grab a notebook for something not too long ago. And I grabbed that journal and I was looking back at all the things I was so excited about. Like, this is the biggest deal ever. And I'm like, wow, like, it's funny to look back on that, but also look back on the things that I was so stressed about, like, oh my God, I'll never, I'll never recover from this. And then it's like, oh yeah, that was like, not even like someone will mention it. Like my mom would be like, remember that one time? Like, no, like it's not even a deal. Like, I don't know. And then like bigger things happen, of course, that like really, like I had a business before that, you know, I walked away from and it's interesting how you said, you know, you thought about the comic book place um, for years before it came to fruition because I did the same thing with my business. When I was down to earth cosmetics doing makeup and putting on this super girly brand that I thought people wanted to see in the back of my head, I was like, what if I did like a tomboy brand and everything was like centered around boxing and it was really different. And I was like, nah, 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 nobody's going to like that, but it stuck. And it was just one of those things that when the other business wasn't working out, then it was like, okay, it, when that didn't work out, I just shifted gears. So it's like, if that hadn't happened and certain life changes wouldn't have happened that were pretty tragic at that time, I wouldn't be where I am now either. So it's kind of like misdirection in a way.
1: Yeah. I'll say this is everyone will always follow passion and you will follow passion. Um, I, if you're an entrepreneur, it's like, I see people sometimes create bars and restaurants because they want to be like the next big thing. Mm-hmm. And they create something that has nothing to do with anything they're interested in. Mm -hmm. And that's what the advice that I give to anybody that opens a bar or restaurant is whatever you open, be prepared to work there for the rest of your life. Because one, you might have to, but two, you will never get sick of it. Like you will, you will want to go there. You will want to go work on your brand. Mm -hmm. But if you are just chasing trends or things that you think are popular, yeah, those, those projects tend to fail
0: do you feel like you have people that come to you that ever ask you for like a shortcut? Like, it seems like they're looking for the quick, how did you, because I feel like business is, I've seen this analogy like an iceberg where people see just like the tip of the iceberg, but they don't see all of the years and hours and creativity and brainstorming and failure and everything under the surface that's happened to lead you there. So they're like, Hey, what can I do tomorrow to create this great thing?
1: No, um, but I do see things that are very flash in the pan. Mm-hmm. I do see brands and things that get created that are very hot in the moment, but they don't have the passion to sustain it over the long term. I would say that is probably the thing that I see more in my industry, more so than the than the shortcut. Yeah, is oh my god, like this is gonna be the coolest thing, and then a year into it they're bored with it and they don't have the passion to sustain it for 10, 20 years. Um, And that's where, again, you get into trouble and standards fall and things like that. Um, You know, there's always people that will promise you something like rich quick. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing though is humans are very intuitive people. We can tell when someone's like BSing us, like and not being their real authentic self. Like, it's mostly like a defense mechanism too, because it 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 teaches us not to trust those types of people. Yeah. Um, we can also tell like when something just feels inauthentic, and and particularly as we um, are changing as a society, and in particular as we're I think learning more about ourselves, we tend to gravitate to things that are more authentic than just something that seems interest like flashy. Yeah.
0: So I want to circle back about Vegas and this award you received. I want to talk a little bit about that because I know I had read that you, and like you just said, you'd been going to this expo for so many years and watched all these other people receiving these awards. What was it like to be on the other end of that?
1: So we were up against some very tough competition. And in my mind, um, the award that we got was most original concept. Mm -hmm. And for me, I take that very seriously. Um, And the competition that we're up against was very fierce. Like we were up against some James Beard award-winning chefs. Uh, We were up against some people that like seemed to have a really good fun brand. Mm -hmm. Um, To me, it really, I think, separated us was our mission. And what made us most original was it's not just a comic book shop with a bar. It is how do we engage people to be their most heroic selves? So there are things that we do in the comic book shop and in the bar that aren't typically done. And that was, I think, the thing that made us the most original. We have this thing that we call the hero campaign that if we see someone do a heroic thing, we give them uh, a, a gift card to come into the shop for free. So if we see somebody do something nice in the world, it is, it is that. And, um, it was also our engagement with, uh, our heroes initiative, uh, for the Ronald McDonald house in children's hospital here in Cincinnati, where it's not just a bar and a comic book shop. It is how are we engaging people to be heroes in their own lives? And how do we engage adults and people that want to help the community and want to, want to provide that escape to people that need it the most, Mm -hmm. particularly children that are suffering with diseases and things like that. So the bar and the restaurant is heavily charitable in those aspects. Um, And for us, it was about the inclusivity and the things that we were doing in the comic book world that aren't necessarily done. When you talk about comic books, everybody has like a vision of like a person that works at a comic book shop and the the people that typically go to a comic book shop and how do you open up that net so that people feel comfortable coming in so that you have a wide audience so that we can have talks about queer comic book writers and invite them in so that they feel comfortable enough to talk to the audience about queer characters in comic books. And how do you make it so that everybody feels heroic and that everyone sees themselves as a hero um, and it's not just a comic book shop with a bar. Yeah. So I think the story behind the shop and what we have done, not just in our just talking about it, but in the actions that we actually do, I think that is what made them see us as the most original. Was it's not just a bar in a in a shop. It's a it's a place for community. And it's a place with purpose. And I think that was the reason why we won. Um, and I was shocked. Like, really? like yeah. Oh, yes.
0: <laughs> See, then yeah. someone like me, I'm like, oh, no brainer. Of course. No, because to <laughs> me, I'm like,
1: we, we put a bar in a comic book shop. Like yeah. the cocktails were, were very imaginative. So we were using techniques that, that, that are new and we started um, from a different angle. So everything started as a non-alcoholic cocktail. Um, rather than most of the time when you build a bar, you build out the cocktail menu first. Okay, I need a rum cocktail. I need a bourbon cocktail. And you you build out your menu and you kind of spec it out to whatever the theme is. Mm-hmm. With this, I wanted it to be an experience that anybody could enjoy. So we started with making sure that all of our non-alcoholic cocktails could stand on their own. They were great and imaginative and fun and bright and did crazy things. And then we added the boot. So that if somebody comes in with their kids, their kids can have a fun heroic cocktail too, and dad might be able to have one with bourbon in it. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know,
1: um, so I think that was a big thing that that helped us push us forward too. But we're sitting in the audience. It is it is me. It is Greg Newman who uh, helps shepherd the shop and 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 really has been an amazing uh, not just a teammate but but again a good friend. And we're sitting there, and they're handing out the awards. And they call our name, and I I had prepared zero speech because I did th- I didn't think we were gonna win, like I had I did not think we were gonna win. I wish I had prepared a speech, um, because there were people that walked up that had very eloquent speeches, yeah. and I just got up there and was talked about. To be at this place, and one to give a talk about failure, <laughs> and now to be on this stage three days later yeah. at basically the restaurant bar Oscars, and get this amazing award. Um it's surreal and hopefully it is like the cap off of an amazing journey but it's also not a journey that's over yet. Right. So I think it's amazing to be able to be recognized and and awarded by by my colleagues um but also I I again not 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 stopping. Yeah. Not resting on the laurels. Yeah. No,
0: no that's great. Yes. I feel like if anything to go
1: home eat more mom's spaghetti and go <laughs> back to it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean I feel like that's just um but so Moranis always likes to talk about proof of concept. <laughs> this is like a thing that's thrown around at home all the time. Like, yeah, it's a proof of concept, right? Like it's working. Keep going. Like just yeah. that's what it is. But it's that's I and I love that that came after your speech, too. Like like you said, that was like the perfect cap on it.
1: I think it was one of those things we I was I was really writing the post after we got the award and talking about um you have these moments where it all kind of crystallizes and becomes worth it. And just talking about like all the missteps, all the the trials and tribulations to get to here. And then you get to be a hero just for one day. Yeah. Like, and that, and that is, it is, you know, success isn't always the mansion and the car or whatever, whatever it is that you're chasing. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is not, I got there and then it's forever, Mm -hmm. Like it's these it's these moments where you feel seen, yeah. And and they can be big, like a big stage in Las Vegas, or they can be small, and they can be just somebody comes and they they say like I see, and they're they're both the same feeling. Sure, is getting the award on stage is the same feeling as when somebody comes up to me in Cincinnati and says I love your bar, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: like I love what you do.
0: Yeah,
1: um, that's more importantly. Um, and then the best compliments though, are when I hear, I hear you're a great person to work for. That's the one that like is better than any award I could ever receive yeah. is um, when people say, I would love to come work for you. Like that is like the highest compliment. And I take that responsibility like extremely seriously. Yeah. Again, sometimes like all things, I fail at that responsibility, but then we figure out how to keep going.
0: Yeah. I also love just like on a side note that you offer non-alcoholic drinks because even just for kids. But I have a lot of friends that have never drank a day in their life and would love to go be social. But they're like, but there's never unless it's like a dry January where like a bar will be like, here's our dry January menu. And then it's just gone. And they're like, well, for January, I can like go be social. But, you know, or it's just like, you know, I want to go somewhere and not just have to
1: order a pop. Like, well, it always seems like an afterthought, too. Mm -hmm. So, again, we want to make it that it was, that everything on that menu tasted great. Mm-hmm. That it wasn't, oh, we've got these three non-alcoholic cocktails, which sometimes is what happens in the bar industry is they yeah. want to be progressive and like, like look at our non-alcoholics, but they're not well thought out. It mm-hmm. typically is juice or something, you know, thrown together. Yeah. Um, so for us, we want to make sure like everything that we did was thoughtful to the whole audience.
0: Yeah, and still really special. hmm so what is like your why behind it all? Like overarching thing. Why what drives you in all of this? Why are you doing what you're doing?
1: Oh god, I, know, I wish I knew that. I I used <laughs> to I used to feel like I knew it. I I think we touched on which is projecting wonder. I think that still is the main driver. I think I think I still have something to say. And I think that is the hardest thing about creativity is again knowing when it's like your time is kind of passed. I think my time is very much coming to an end. Like Really? Soon. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's it is is I need a, a, in this industry, in particularly about gatekeeping, I'm I'm blocking someone's path whether I know it or not. Mm-hmm. I am blocking a new artist or in a new creative person from getting access to capital, getting access to just a meeting, because I can call somebody and get a meeting tomorrow. that really should go to somebody else. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is the thing where I'm saying, I feel like I got one, one big thing left. I feel like I've got one big thing to say. And then hopefully I'm cognizant enough to know, then it's time to stop being the star and hopefully being the producer and pushing the other people forward. Ah. Um, and, and hopefully that is my role going into the future is helping other people tell their stories is realizing that I was extremely lucky that for the past 10 years, every single story I've ever gotten to want to tell, I have told Mm -hmm. there was a few that are on the shelves, but it might not be that great. The really important ones I got to tell the story. So maybe it's one more big story. Maybe it's two but then knowing that this city needs new voices, that this industry needs new voices and it can't just be my voice. It has to be something new. It has to be innovative. And hopefully I can tell them where not to fall down. Yeah, I feel like I fell down there. It sucks. <laughs> Don't, Don't do, do that. that. <laughs> um, and then hopefully that's, that's my legacy is that uh, is, is hopefully being, being a good mentor.
0: Yeah. And you just do you just always want to have your hands in the same thing? Like, could you ever see yourself walking away from the industry completely? And I don't think the industry
1: would let me walk away. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I like I would love to. I'd love to be like Dr. Dre and just like walk away and be like, yeah, I'm never releasing like the next Chronic album. Like it's never happening. Yeah. And then like 10 years later. Like, like, like coming out of nowhere <laughs> with something crazy. Yeah. Um, I think there's some fun in that. I think mm-hmm. they're, they're, I think I've been joking around lately. I don't know. I've been like obsessed with talking about projects and like the last thing I'm going to do, but I know the last project I'm going to do. And like, I like, but I can't do it until like, I'm like 75, 80. Yeah, because yeah, because it, it will not have the same impact.
0: Is that going to be your big swing? Are you no, no, it's,
1: it? a, no. It's actually very <laughs> quiet. Like, it's a very like yeah. quiet out the door, but it's an emotional thing. Mm. And I think I'd rather leave people with an emotional experience at the end rather than like this grand fireworks display, like blaze of glory. I think I want to leave like a small audience with a experience that only like. 20 people had mm-hmm. and then it becomes like legend. Yeah. They're like, it was so, it was so immersive. It was so overwhelming and it was so emotional. I think yeah. that is too, is to say, how do we tap in and tell different types of stories? Mm-hmm. And I think that's, it is I've got like, my, my last story. I know what it's going to be. Now I just got to fill the time in between. Yeah.
0: Interesting. It is funny to think because like how you've been talking about all your projects, like movies, it, it is like a similar thing with like, just as you've been talking, I've been picturing like a Dr. Dre thing where it's like, you're in, you're like one of the front men and then you kind of disappear into the shadows and like, you're more on like the production side of things where you're like a mentor and like bringing all these other people up, you know?
1: I hope so. I gotta I gotta go find like, you know, my Tupac. My- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go find my Tupac. I gotta go find my Eminem, my 50 Cent, Mary J. I gotta, I gotta do all that. Yeah. And then, and then one day we all get together and we play the Super Bowl together. Do you think super that- Bowl of cocktails. Like I don't even think there's such a thing, but like that would be like. You create could create them. it. I could create it. Yes. Maybe that's yeah. your one of your yes. swings. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe not
0: the big swing, but a swing. Yeah. Well, I also wanted to talk to you about um, because this was something that I was I was really thinking about recently too. Is um, your article about the Yelp
1: reviews? Oh man, you're going to, like, oof. be careful. We we got yeah. we got tread 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 super lightly tread lightly. Anytime okay. you bring up Yelp, like. I need to be like, I, I'm pretty sure like just saying the word Yelp on this podcast. Made people Yelp. Uh, Made people made possibly <laughs> drove them to Yelp uh, or like Yelp is listening. And then yeah. I always try to like be like, Real no, I'm I'm careful. trying not to get the wrath of Yelp. Yeah. But I will say that we're, we're so I'll let you finish queuing up. Okay. okay. So
0: basically, I just want to know in the world of business, um, where do you think? I mean, for instance, like I have, so, there's so many different platforms now, right? For like reviews and things like that. What do you think is the best way that you go somewhere? Um, because it's about leaving. I feel like I was just talking about this the other day. People are really quick to say what went wrong in a place and they don't, It's it's easier for them to say that instead of letting you know what an amazing time that they had because they could have a good time a hundred times and then one time something goes wrong and that's what they're going to talk about. So I would say when there's so many platforms, like you can leave Facebook reviews, there's Yelp reviews, there's Google reviews, there's, you know, all these different things. What is the best way if someone's really happy with something that they've received? Like, how do you let a business know what's a good way to like make sure that other people know?
1: So um, I, I, I did the story for the Washington Post uh, where they called me up and they said, we, we want to know what you think about review culture. We mm-hmm. want to know like what you think about Yelp specifically. Yeah. And everyone on our team was like, don't do this. Interview. Yeah. Like you have nothing to gain from doing yeah, this yeah. interview. Um, but I felt like I had a very interesting take and something to say about it, mm-hmm. which is, um, yeah, the, the best thing that you can do for, for a business when something goes incredibly right. Is tell someone else, mm-hmm. tell, tell 10 friends that you, what a, what an amazing time you have word of mouth will, will always excel at that. So if there's something that you love, promote it, like talk about it on your social media, like that is mention it, tag mm-hmm. it on Instagram. Like those are the ways that you can tell somebody that you really loved something. Um, that being said, um, <laughs> there is a need for negative feedback but it comes at a cost. So for me, the cost was, if you come to one of our experiences or you come to um, the restaurant and you have a bad time, it wasn't what you wanted, um, service wasn't great. Um, what happens is people leave and then they, they get behind a keyboard and they trash you there. Mm-hmm. At that point, it was very hard for me to fix the experience. Right. Um, we love, like, in-the-moment feedback. Hey, this dish isn't kind of what I want. The steak was overcooked. You know, we could use more wine. Or, hey, service just wasn't that great tonight. You know, the server, we didn't see her very much. People are afraid of that confrontation in the moment, it seems like. But it is what's necessary in order for us as creators to make it better. So I think that's the biggest thing that you can do is if you you have an experience, and it's not good. Again, be polite about it. Mm-hmm. You don't need to yell at people, call yeah. them names. I think, you know. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: I think we've all seen that person in a restaurant. Yeah. Like, don't be that person. Mm-hmm. It is okay though to express your disappointment. It is okay to say, this isn't what I expected it to be. And um also give us a solution. Mm-hmm. Um, I would really love it if you could take this off my belt. Cool. I can do that. Yeah. Um, but what ends up happening is we get feedback after the fact, I hate this place, it sucked. Mm-hmm. Bartenders are rude, things like that. Yeah. Um, rather than saying like, you know, trying to find somebody. Again, we talked about the door person being like the most important person. Like my door people should always be asking people, how was everything? Yeah. Because if they, because hopefully the person will be like, yeah, it was not that great. Well, hold on. Let me get my manager for you. Mm-hmm. And then we can try to fix it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I think so many times, so many people get behind the keyboard. And then because entrepreneurs have tons of things going on, we typically don't have customer service teams that are just answering reviews and trying to figure out how to fix problems. It's typically some sort of general manager or myself that are funneling, you know, negative stuff. Um, And then it's hard to do anything other than be like, I'm sorry, your experience wasn't what you wanted it to be. We hope you come back or allow Mm -hmm. us to make it up to you. Um, But real time feedback. Um, And then also it's so weird because with reviews and things like that, And particularly with creating experience, I don't know what's going on in that person's life that day. Yeah. Like, did they just have a fight with their significant other and then decide to come and eat at my restaurant? Yeah. Like, I can't help them, like, there. (laughs) So, um, and also, we do serve an intoxicating product. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, I've mentioned something like reviews between... 2 a.m. and 6 a.m. <laughs> should be, like, discounted. Um, that yeah. was the quote that they really wanted to run with, like, for yeah, some that reason. that was amazing. Uh, I think, again, if you have a negative experience, yes, let us know. I think the hard thing for entrepreneurs uh, and particularly for reviews and platforms is there's so many. Mm-hmm. And it is so hard to filter um, a lot of it out. So sometimes you just, like, just switch off and ignore it, which is not a good yeah. thing either. Yeah. Um, but, for us, it is about that real-time feedback. And how can we help you in the moment? And then, I think also, anybody that does any job in the world, you know when you've done a good job mm-hmm. and you know when you've done a bad job. Yeah, most people know when they're when when they've missed the mark on something. Um, so I said that's kind of the hard thing, too, is we seem to be in this constant feedback loop of not just, okay, let me give you a review, but we're constantly judging and liking each other and, and doing yeah. things on a regular basis. And sometimes that's hard to figure out the noise. And I figure like, it's way easier for you to give the compliment in person. Yeah. It's way easier for you to give the criticism in person because then we can do something it, or we can be thankful and grateful. Yeah, I can tell you, if you give compliments at a restaurant, you might get some free stuff. They might yeah. like you, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> Um, and that's because again, our job is to serve. Like yeah. at the end of the day, our job is to create the content that the audience wants. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, like a bad movie, you don't serve up what the audience wants. Yeah. Um, and it is okay sometimes too. Like I think that's like the big thing too is sometimes people come to the steakhouse and they want falafel. Yeah. And they aren't. Uh, they're not getting falafel, and that's mm-hmm. going to make them angry. Yeah. And, you know, there's a whole thing about probably like, there's probably more anger going on around Mm -hmm. in our society. And then service industry becomes like just the, like the place where people unload that because we're technically servants. Yeah. So I, there's, there's a whole other talk that we could talk for hours about what does it mean to serve other people? Mm -hmm. What does it mean to serve the public? And, and what, where's that line and that responsibility? And where is it also to be like, Hey man, like, Take that somewhere else. Like yeah. I'm I am not here to be your punching bag. Yeah. I'm here to provide you a service. And it's okay if that service disappoints
0: you. Yeah. I have always said, so like my first job was a server at Skyline. I always worked oh, in like serving jobs. <laughs> yeah. Um prior to even when I was in cosmetology school, you know, I'd work part-time waiting tables. Um, but I've always said to people, I feel like someone, even if it's only for a day, everyone should have to work a day in the service industry or like food, bar, whatever, um, just to get a feel for what that's like. I
1: don't even think anyone should. I I, like you, you hear that all the time. Like, oh, everyone should should work a day. I don't think there are people that are built for it. Like, I think you have to have the passion to serve people. Yeah. Like, I think you have to want that. I think Mm -hmm. to throw people in the industry to show them how hard it is. Sure, whatever. But there's people that just would not excel at the job because they're not those type of people. And typically the people that are serving you Mm -hmm. are passionate about their job. Right. And are there because they are good at it. Uh Um, And then like every other job, like everyone makes a mistake at their job. Yeah. I think grace is just a weird thing that is not in a lot of you know, abundance right now, mm-hmm. particularly for each other. Yeah. I think we um tend to view each other as the enemy sometimes, particularly strangers. Yeah. Um, and and again it's it's one of those things where hopefully what we do at Gorilla Cinema provides a little bit of lightened, you know, entertainment. Yeah. For everybody.
0: Yeah, that's exactly why I've always said that though, because I'm just like, man, cause you see people or if I've ever gone to a restaurant with someone that was rude to someone oh, I just want to recoil because I'm like, like I don't like there could be especially if they're complaining about something that, you know, that they have absolutely no hand in, like there's nothing that they could do to control it. Like, I don't know. It's just interesting to see that. Or like you just know when someone it's just I guess like and like you said in that article, it's just like you don't know what someone went through that day. Like they could be having like the worst day of their life. And it's like that's why, you know, maybe the service isn't as great or whatever, just to be a little bit kind.
1: Yeah, I think cause so many times people want us to be robots. Mm-hmm. I think there's people that were hoping that we will become robots at some point. I think you have to have that human element to make it special. That it, even if I built a bartending robot and it served your drink perfectly every time, there is something about a human interaction that people crave and, and hopefully we will continue to gravitate to and hopefully less tribalism and more, again, seen as people that are different as a way for you to learn and expand and hopefully um, do something new. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, man. (laughs) Speaking of robot though, wasn't there a time when you were like creating a robot that was supposed to do all the things at
1: Tokyo Kitty. Okay. <laughs> oh, so, all right. We're gonna, we're we're going to end on this like this was a failure. This was a massive failure. Uh, but I it. but but I don't think I've ever told this story on a podcast. But it was I was like super obsessed with interesting storytelling mechanics, and uh, we wanted to. And it was also a reaction to something that um, I was very angry about at the time which is an article was written about me when we did the robotic servers at Tokyo Kitty. It's a this thing called BeBot, and it basically just brings you drink. Mm-hmm. A human still has to make your drink yeah. and put it on the robot. Yeah. The robot basically just helps, you know, get it to you faster. So mm-hmm. you're not waiting for a server. We still have human servers. Like, they, like it, it's just about increased speed. But somebody came out with an article that, and the headline was, Uh, Jacob Trevino, uh, is building a robot army for your jobs or something like that. Or (laughs) Jacob Trevino is, is, is coming for your, yeah. Like he's like the robots are coming for your jobs. (laughs) And this article got shared on like a national like bartender website. Wow. And it was like a local article. I think it was like city beat or something. Oh my God. And so they sent this article And I started getting death threats. (laughs) Like, I got, no, I got like legit, I got hate mail. I got people that would blow up my inbox and be like, "I like, if I see you on the street, I'm coming for you.
0: Oh my God. Like, how
1: dare you try to take my job? Like, no robot's ever going to take my job and like things like that. And I was like, oh my God, like, this is insane. Like, this is so crazy. I'd never felt hate like this before over like, and then of course me, uh, this is a tip for any entrepreneur, just stay out of the comment section. But I found myself like for like hours responding to like oh, no. <laughs> comments <laughs> and being like, it's not, the like same that. Thing. it's not what you think oh, it no. is. So we were <laughs> sitting in the office and it started as we're all kind of upset about this article that came out and we're all trying to figure out how to um, uh, do do what we need to like, make ourselves feel better about it. Cause we were all like, feel like pretty like shit. Yeah. Like, that, not, it was weird because it was not the public hated me. It was my peers. Like that yeah. was like the, the hard thing was, I think I could have dealt with like the public being like, boo, this is stupid. <laughs> Cause they say that all the time. I think it was like people that I respected being like, yeah. I hate you. Like, oh, yeah. Was, like, Oh my God. So we came up with an idea of, around Halloween that, okay, people think that we're creating robots to take over everyone's job. Let's, <laughs> let's lean into it for our Halloween thing. And so we said we had created this AI and I like, the name is escaping me at the moment. And, and I know like somebody that's listening to this is going to shout it out, but basically uh, the AI was going to control every interaction that you had in the bar. That, like, it would know if the temperature, like, it could read body temperature. So it could tell if, like, it was too hot and it would automatically lower, <laughs> like, the thermostat. Like, it would be able to identify people's levels of intoxication. Like, it was like, it, like, the things that we created about, like, this AI mm-hmm. were crazy. And then, We're like, and the AI is going to write all our social media posts. Like it's going to like revolutionize the bar world. We're just going to plug this AI in and it's basically going to run the bar for us. Like, and, and our, and our bar staff super happy. Like they're, they're, (laughs) they're super pumped to have this thing going. And, uh, and so we sent out a press release that we're, we were launching this AI thing and we're launching it on October 30th and we can't wait. And, and the, Chicago Tribune picked it up. And mm-hmm. then other people started picking it up and then we're like, okay, let's go ahead and like start messing with them. So then we had the AI take over the social media and started interacting with people. But it was really just me like messing with them. yeah, To be like, I'm sensing something new that I've never sensed before. I think you call it anger, <laughs> <laughs> which is definitely not something you want any robot to say ever. Um, But yeah, like the idea was like that this AI was going to take care of reservations. It was going to take care of booking parties and things like (laughs) that. And then the idea was on Halloween that the AI has taken over and we need everyone to show up to help us like take down the AI. (laughs) That that it had actually like convinced our bartenders to get like chips implanted in their brains. We like did a video where we show like one of the bartenders getting like a, like this new cerebral implant that is going into her brain. Like and again, at this point we're like, Where's people where are people gonna think this is a joke? Yeah. And it it just like was not like it was not upfront enough. And so then for the next, like, three years, I got asked, like, so how's the AI project going, like, down in Tokyo Kitty. <laughs> I was like, oh, we had to rip it offline because the game sentient and tried to kill everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it was a storyline that completely flopped. Like, the 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 Halloween party ended up being, like, kind of a bust. It just wasn't a good event. But we all, like, looked back at that as, like, that was pretty fun. Like, again, yeah. it was fun. It was funny. It didn't really like produce any money, and it didn't really cost us anything either. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we told this like pretty cool story, and it got picked up by the Chicago Tribune. And like, isn't that enough? Like, is it? Isn't that success enough? Like, and that's those are the types of successes I look for. Yeah. Is 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 mass pandemonium where people are sending me hate mail and raging against a fictional AI?
0: And then you just lean into it, and, and you and just say, lean into How it. How far can we take this yes. thing?
1: There is a YouTube video. If you type uh, youtube.com, like the full thing, type HTTP backslash backslash (laughs) www.youtube.com. There'll be a search bar there and you can type in (laughs) Tokyo Kitty AI and it will pull up this crazy promo video for for this AI tech that we were were show. I'm going to have
0: to look it up. I remember when this was It's got a woman's name.
1: I want to say like, gosh, I wish I could could remember remember the, the AI's name. Somebody like will tell me after this. I'll look
0: it up after. Yeah, but yeah. Oh my god! I feel like we covered so much.
1: We did. We I like this was. I was. I'm gonna say this to you. You know, La friend is my favorite bar. Mm-hmm. This isn't the favorite podcast I've ever been.
0: Is on. it really? Yeah. Oh yes. You yeah. mean it? Yes, I mean it. Oh my it. god, dude. from the bottom of my heart. That makes me so happy. I was yes. low key so nervous to have you on here. Why? Like, because you know how people talk about. um... What do they call it? Like, oh my whale! Like the big person <laughs> that you just like, oh, whatever. God, like you my were ideas. that for my podcast. Well,
1: I, I'm glad I could be here for 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 episode. What episode are we on?
0: Well, uh, what is it? Episode it's okay. We're 12? gonna call
1: it episode a thousand. I'm glad I could be here for one episode billion. for episode one million <laughs> and one. It's the new dawn, the new era. Uh, I'm so glad I got to talk to all the knockouts.
0: Yes. This has been so amazing.
1: It's been great. Do you have like a sign off? Do we say something at the end?
0: Well, yeah, basically, I want to know, like, I know you plugged a lot of stuff, but is there anything upcoming locally or anything that you want to plug real quick? Where p- can people find you? So
1: you can find me at Jake Should Instagram. Uh, that is the best place to find me. That is my Instagram handle. I'm, I'm, a huge, I'm a visual medium type person. So if you want to find me, find me there. You can also find us at Gorilla Cinema Presents. Uh, you can also go to Gorilla Cinema Presents dot com, but make sure you type H-T- <laughs> backslash backslash <laughs> ww dot I just want to make sure that you all get there. Uh, and and you can find all of our adventures there. You can find some cool stuff that I've written on the website. I write a blog about industry stuff. I predict the future sometimes on there. It's it's lots of fun and cool things. And and you can follow me along as I travel the world and 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 create magic and pour you drinks at the same time.
0: Hell yeah. And just for a personal note, La ofrenda is my
1: favorite. Ah there you go. it really
0: is. <laughs> I made him watch the movie Coco and every time I watch it, I ugly cry. <laughs> and when like that bar happened, I was like, oh my god and like the movie watching it, I'm like, oh, it's just like everything. so fantastic. Yeah. But anyway, it was so great having you. Thank you so much for doing this. It really means a lot
1: and that's all I
0: got. Right. Um, go knock them out I yeah. feel like yeah right
1: <laughs> go knock them out knockouts <laughs> ding ding ding